And so this is just to kind of set up where we're going. So uh, how many of you have had the experience where, you know, you had to take care of someone's uh, property? Maybe you had to protect someone's stuff or uh, maybe make a profit for someone. Maybe you were, you know, watching their business for a summer or you were, you were given responsibility to watch their kids. Uh, but the big idea was they're coming back and um, you, you, they left you in charge, okay? Let me tell you a quick story. Um, so we have really good friends of ours. They have birds. They have pet birds, and they were going away for a week, and they were like, hey, can you watch our birds? So I'm like, yeah, you know, I love them. I can tell they really love their birds. So I was like, of course we can. How hard can it be? And they're like, it's not hard. You know, here's the cage. Here's some food. You just feed them once a day. And you know, here's a little red ball. You know, you just put it on the top of the cage, and then they'll they'll kind of play. You can let them out a little bit. So I'm like, that's great. Okay. So uh, first day, we have the birds. Oh, you got to put a blanket on them because they know it's nighttime. Um, so the first day, it, I nailed it. It was amazing. They didn't come out of the cage, but they lived. They still they were still alive, and uh, we fed them. Second day. I'm like, hey kids, do you wanna see some birds just play with you know, a little red ball and we can let them out. Maybe they'll fly on our hands and we can sing fairy tales. So well, they're like, yeah, let's do it. Mom's at work, you know? So I was like, let's just make sure we shut the windows and the doors. Did not shut the doors upstairs, okay? Just for later in the story. Um, so I'm like, okay, let's do this. We opened that door it was, it was like Jumanji, okay? It was like they were, the birds came out. They were just like flying back and forth like bats. Our kids are all like screaming. Talia's rolling around crying. I'm freaking out. The birds are like stress pooping back and forth. It was crazy. And then one just flies upstairs. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I love my friends. I, these birds can't die of stress. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I look at the cage and one's upstairs and the next one flies upstairs. And so kind of like with a jar and like an ant, I was thinking, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trap them with this gigantic cage. So sure enough, <clears throat> I grab the cage, you know, he's just panting. I'm like, don't pass out little buddy, don't pass out. And, and, I, and I put it over him, he gets in there. I'm like, woo, next one, still nervous pooping everywhere. Sorry, Nikki, wherever you are. Didn't tell her this story yet. Um, <laughs> And uh, so I'm like, you know, cleaning the nervous poop up. Finally, I catch the next one. I'm like, woo, caught them both. Okay, why do I tell you that story? It's a weird story. You're probably like, I don't like all this talk about poop. Okay, why am I telling you this? Well, let me tell you, one of the reasons I woke up every day for the next week and made sure the birds were in the cage and that they had good food, good water was because I could not wait to bless my friends. I knew they were coming back and they entrusted to us what they love. And so I wanted to make sure because I love them that we were faithful with what they gave us. That is again, I knew they were coming back and they wanted to see how we did with their birds. Now on a massive, more meaningful, eternal, infinitely glorious scale, Jesus is gonna tell two parables today to that degree. He's going to say that's the same too for us, that we are as Christians to live prepared. We're to live like Jesus is going to return for what he loves, that he's entrusted to us people. He's entrusted to us his message. He's entrusted to us 
gifts he's entrusted to us, all that we have, our house, our car, everything has been given to us for him. And he's coming back to see how did we do with what he loves most. So those are the, that's the big idea of these parables is Jesus is about to die on the cross for the disciples' sins. He says, I'm gonna do something now you won't understand, but I'm coming again. And when I return, I'm gonna restore the earth. I'm going to get rid of all wrong and injustice. I'm going to change your lives. I'm gonna do something for you, but you need to be ready. You need to be faithful. You need to be prepared. So that's what we've been talking about. If you're like, this is weird. We're talking about the return of Jesus. Just so you know, for a Christian, this is the highest hope that we believe that when Jesus first came, he came to pay for our sin, as Jill mentioned. He came to live a life that we did not live. He came to die a death that we deserve to, to die because when you ignore God and, and you live as if you're your own God and you live any way you want without any regard for all the things we've done, all the time we've hurt people, like a criminal before a good judge, we will stand before a great God for all that we've done. And Jesus came to, to take our place. He came to pay for our sins so that on the cross when he died, it's as if God put our sin, all of our wrongdoing, all of our moral failures there, and he was judged in our place. And when he died and he rose again, it meant the debt was paid. And it meant just like Jesus rose, one day we're gonna rise. And it's so exciting because when that day comes, when Jesus returns, he's going to right every wrong. It's gonna be how we thought life was supposed to be with God in the center, we'll be loved forever. Anyway, so he's about to do all that. And he's a, he, now he's gonna say to his disciples, here's what you need to know. I'm gonna tell you two stories. So if you're brand new to the church, we all were brand new at one point. The Bible could be new for you. Parables are stories that illustrate heavenly meanings. So they're earthly stories. And so Jesus today is gonna go, here's two stories of what it's gonna be like and how to be ready for when I come. All right, so that's what we're gonna look at. That's what you have in your, in your passage. And, and kids, if you're taking notes, by the way, if you're a great, great student kid, we have these handouts here. You probably already got one. You can fill that out. We got a prize for you after. Thanks for following along. But, but we have two points. So if you're taking notes, you guys in the back, kids, here they are. We're gonna look at these two things. Number one, Jesus is gonna teach you cannot borrow other people's devotion when it, when it counts. He's gonna say, you cannot borrow other people's love for Jesus, devotion for Jesus, what you need for when he comes, when it actually counts. That's not something you can borrow. The second point in the second parable is, is a really, really basic idea that even if you're not a Christian, everyone can understand. And that is love does. Okay, love is active. He's gonna say faithfulness multiplies what God loves and entrusts to us. So the second parable, he's gonna say faithfulness. So if we're Christians today and and if you're not a Christian, glad you're here. You can at least listen to what Christians believe. But if you're a Christian, Jesus is gonna say faithfulness multiplies what God loves and what God entrusts to us. So that's where we're going. Let me pray and then we'll, uh, we'll get into it. Father God, I thank you that the sun is out. I think that it's a beautiful day. Thank you that we get to just open the Bible together for the short half an hour and, and sing songs to you. And I just pray for those who are visiting that you would at least show them who you are, how real you are. And uh, Jesus, we love our city. We wanna thank you for North Van. I thank you for the city that works hard to make this place an inviting, fun, a great place for community. So we thank you for this. But ultimately, 
I just pray that as we hear from the Bible, that we would hear from you. And I pray if there's someone here, Jesus, that, that is so hungry to have that emptiness taken away, to have that guilt that they've been holding on, that pain, that loss of relationship, whatever it is, I pray you'd minister to him or her, that, I, that you would just speak to all of us because you're real. Jesus, you really did rise from death. And I just pray you'd help me teach and help everyone not pass out in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, all right. Okay, number one, first point, Matthew 21. Let's look at it. Here we go. You can see it there. Okay, then the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, will be like 10 virgins. This is a common word in the first century for like a young unmarried woman. Okay, so it really helps if you can read along with me because then you know where we're going. Um, if you don't have a handout, ushers will hand them out. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Verse five, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said to the wise, uh, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I don't know you. Verse 13, watch therefore, for you will know neither the day nor the hour. We won't know when he comes. It'll be sudden. We saw this last week. It'll be decisive. There'll be no more time to repent. It'll be, it'll be that time. So you don't need a huge historical background to understand the meaning or the spiritual implication of your Bible. But let me share a little bit with you um, on this parable. So in a traditional village in the first century, just so you know, in the Middle East, a wedding feast was like the party of all parties. It was like a seven day feast. It was like the biggest deal for a couple. It was the most exciting thing for a, a village in that time. It was the main celebration. And it also had a cool element like a Canada Day parade. So let me explain this. The groom would with his you know, family and friends, they would travel to the bride's house and it was exciting. They would get married there. And then what they would do is they would find the longest way through the village because a lot of people were invited to this big marriage feast to celebrate, we just got married. And so they would go through the village like a big parade. They'd organize themselves in this exuberant kind of flashy way and people would be cheering. And it was just this very exciting thing because they were heading to the groom's house for this huge, massive, exciting wedding feast. And so Jesus has this all happening at night. And what we see are these, these 10 young ladies who were connected to the family. Somehow they were invited. It looks as though in the parable, they're kind of towards the end of the parade. They're getting ready, you know, for the return of the groom. It's really exciting. You have like five who we read are unwise. They don't carry enough lamps. Five who do, their lamps are burning. They have all this anticipation. Five of them have extra oil. 
And as you can see, and you can read on, the parade takes a lot longer than the young ladies imagined, okay? How many of you have been to that wedding? It's the worst. I remember I did a wedding with a bride, no offense if this is you, forgot her vows and had to drive 45 minutes to pick them up, okay? Some weddings can take a long time. This one is taking a really long time and as most weddings do. In fact, Jesus says they become drowsy and they fall asleep. That's also happened at weddings, okay? Probably they're putting their lamps on the edge or on the sidewalk, we don't know where they are, but they fall asleep and then all of a sudden it finally comes you can hear the cheering, the grooms come and they're like, this is it, woo! They're, they're so excited, they leap awake and then they're starting to service their lamps. They're like, oh my goodness, good thing I brought extra oil. Five of them don't. Five of them are like, ah, uh, give us some of your oil, okay? Now probably in the most like, you know, ladylike, loving way as, as young, you know, 20-sums are, teenagers, they're like, uh, we only have enough for ourselves, so kind of solve your own problems. And so the women leave, they go to get oil. They try to figure it out then. But Jesus says, while they're away, the groom and his new bride arrive and the entire crowd, including the five wise, they go into the house, the door is shut, the feast starts, it's exciting. And the final scene is tragic. The final scene is they, the five unwise come, say, sir, open it up. And the groom's like, nope, I'm sorry. I don't think I know you. Now, I don't know what strikes you, but parables in understood in context have one message and the context, you couldn't be more clear. The parade is the coming and return of Jesus. It's gonna be loud. It's gonna be sudden. We're not gonna know when it is and it's taking a lot longer. And here it is. Jesus says, we need to be ready for the long haul. No matter how long the wait, he says, those who are wise seem to be thinking in advance. They're, they're thrilled about the groom. They're giving it a lot of time, a lot of thought. They're thinking, well, what if it happens at night? The feast is gonna be so great. I can't wait to try this and eat this and dance here. We need to be ready. We need to be ready from every angle. So for the wise women, they're thinking reserves must be on hand. So what do we learn? What's Jesus trying to say, Shore Church and those visiting? He's saying you cannot borrow other people's devotion when it counts that there's no instant discipleship. There's no instant maturing. The wise women had an understanding that it might be a while and they knew it would matter what they retained spiritually. They knew that they need to have more. They knew that they need to have extra oil in their hearts. Simply put, this is so key. It's not possible to rely on anyone else's love for Jesus. You cannot borrow someone else's spiritual life that flows from, from, let's say you take the woman who spends every morning with Jesus and going, I wanna become your love today. I wanna know you today. You can't borrow the fruit of that woman's life when you're gonna need it. You can't borrow the fruit of someone who's devoted to him when you're gonna need it. That's his point. You, you cannot borrow that, the fruit of time with him. You cannot be traded. Holiness, devotion, fruits, oil, you can't, you can't trade that in. And I think Jesus' point, it seems to be that the five foolish, they're, they're not consumed by the groom. Clearly, they might even, how many of you are like, oh, I meant to get to that, but I never got to it. And someone else who loved you in your life was like, well, it shows that you don't care. Probably these five women knew they were going to the wedding feast, but they were preoccupied by something. They, they were distracted. They had other priorities. They had other preferences. They had other plans. So let me ask you, because I asked myself this week, how many of us, me included, 
have honestly said, Jesus, I'm all in. Like I'm all in. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna use this. I'm gonna use my gift. I'm gonna help this person. I'm gonna show your love there. I wanna get more time with you. Put me in the game. But when the game day came, when it was time to spend time with Jesus, when it was time to show love, you were like, ah, I'm, I'm totally swamped. I totally forgot. I don't have time for this. Here's what Jesus wants to say to these disciples. Some things you cannot borrow. You need to possess for yourself. So let me ask you, sure, church, is it possible? Just is it possible? That's all I'm asking you to ask. Is it possible in your life that you have a lamp that looks good, but it has no oil in it? Is it possible that you started out burning, but you will not finish? Kids, this is for you. Ready for the question? Kids with the handout sheet. True or false? You can borrow other people's godliness and spiritual closeness with Jesus. False. You can't borrow that. So let me ask you, how's it going? How's it going? This is what parables do. They come into our lives and they go, yeah, I'm going to love you this way. How's it? Being with Jesus, becoming his love for others isn't something you can begin to develop and put in the reserve when he comes. Let me say that again. Being with Jesus, becoming his love for others is not something you can begin developing and putting in reserve when he comes. So let me ask you this question because my job is to teach the Bible and then I have to apply it to my own life and you'll apply it to your life. Let me ask you this question. In verse 13, Jesus has one verb and the word verb is watch, be prepared, be ready. So this is the question for you that only you can answer is, is this, what would it look like in your life to obey Jesus' words in verse 13? Look at verse 13. What would this look like in your life? Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. What would it look like to be always Jesus gazing, always Jesus longing, always thinking, how do I show Jesus's love? How do I wake up every day and become his love to other people? How do I share his love and his truths? How do I be transparent about the meaning he's given me? Hey, Tal. Oh, you did so good. That's so pretty. Can you show your, show your teacher? Love it. All right. So that's the first parable. We got to move on. It's getting really hot. Tap and barrel is going to open soon. All right. Number two, love does. Love does. This is really important. Faithfulness multiplies what God loves and entrusts to us. So how many of you know you're being faithful? You'll know you're being faithful when you're multiplying what God loves and what God's entrusted to you. So let's talk about what that looks like. Now, just so you know, next week, we're gonna pour out a lot more from this parable. Jesus will apply it in the next few verses. But in connection to the first, okay, wait, you just have to come to church next week. But connection to the first, uh, let's read the parable. Look at verse 14, okay? Thanks for sticking it in. Yeah, one more point, one more parable. I know it's hot. Thanks for being here. Okay, number 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Now, now see what the master does. So he brings his servants. He says to one, he gave five talents to another two, to another one. This is really cool. Look at this verse to each according to his ability. And then he went away. How many of you who are Christians? Well, let me say it this way. I find this verse so comforting. Here's why. Look at this. In the sense that we are to uh, be faithful with God, what God's given us, in the sense that love does, Jesus says, 
you're uniquely, awesomely full of exactly what God would want to resource you with. That's what he just said. The master gave them everything they need for what the master wants them to do. So God's the master. And here's the big idea. If you're a Christian in here, he's supplied you with what exactly he's calling you to be faithful in. And listen, your supply won't be the same as someone else's. Your supply will be different and it's not supposed to be the same. You're to be faithful with what you've been given, each according to his ability. That's encouraging, right? If he's given you a lot, you'll be faithful with a lot. If he's given you a little, you'll be faithful with a little. The big idea is that you're faithful. I don't know if that's encouraging to me, okay? Because I'm like a one talent guy. That's what I like about it. All right, back to the parable. One gets five, one gets two, one gets one. By the way, a talent, if you're like, what is that? Is that like a, you know, you can dance? How many talents do you have? No, a talent is like a bag of gold. So, so today's commentator say it's about $800,000. One talent, it's about 20 years wage. So this is this guy's estate. This is his company. This is everything. This is multi thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars have been given to these guys. The parable continues. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also who had the two talents made two talents more. Love does, this is the big idea. Being like Jesus doesn't wait. Notice a few things with me, it just starts. It, it's, you're, you're, you're expected to be faithful. There's, a, there's like the first guy, it says he went at once, the second goes right after. And here's what you need to see. The servants, they know their master. The servants are like, he's calling us to be faithful. This is exciting. I've been given a lot. I wanna pour into it. They know that the master reaps. They know why the master has given them what they need, why, they, why he's given them what he's entrusted them to, to improve. And let me say, so many people don't even have in their minds a day when God will call us to account. God will call all people that he made because he's given them so much to account. How did you do with what I gave you? Did, you? did you love? Did you see the creation? Did you worship me? Did you believe in me? Did you, once you knew the Bible, did you start loving me and growing? And the amazing thing is that he doesn't leave us to ourselves. The Bible teaches when Jesus rose again and you put your faith in him, you get the Holy Spirit in you who now helps you love God and move towards him and be about him. But here's what you need to think. They know that he's coming back for the purpose of seeing what he's doing in the world to bring his kingdom. So the servants are to think, how do I please him? So here's the big idea. Your house is God's house for God. Your car is God's for God. Your, your big smile is God's and it's for God. Your, your money is God's and it's for God. Your kids, they're not yours. They're God's kids and they're for God. That we're to see everything we have for him, which is the most freeing thing because then you don't get your identity from how well you're doing and all those things. You have an identity in Jesus and you get to use those things. So it's kind of like you get to show up to work with God and he's a great dad who loves you. And then you just get to serve him with whatever he's given you. That's the big idea. But there's one guy who doesn't think this way. He's the guy with the one talent. But let me say this. Are you being faithful? Are you serving Jesus with what he's given you? Here's what one New Testament scholar from Wheaton, Illinois says, D.A. Carson, it is not enough for Jesus followers to hang in there 
and wait for the end. They must see themselves as servants who improve what their master entrusts to them. Failure to do so proves they cannot really be valued as disciples at all. So what does he mean? Look at verse 18. It's in your, in your handout. We're almost done. You're like, are we almost done? We are. Be, but he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and he hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more saying, master, you delivered to me five talents. Check this out. I've made five talents more. His master said to him, oh, that's awesome. Well done. Let's hug it out. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter and do the joy. Jesus said that he has come that they may have joy and joy to the full. Enter the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I have two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'm gonna say you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. You gotta see, this is a glorious scene. This is the most exciting scene. There's joy, there's warmth, there's more presence. There's more opportunity. It's an exciting day. It'll be an exciting day when you see your Jesus because we need him and he's so good. But look at verse 24. He also had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked. This is a word that means moral. You morally speaking and slothful servant. Okay, now we all don't wanna be that guy. So let's talk about this guy. What does that mean? Well, number one, it's not that the master was harsh. It's the servant you can see from the master is lazy, is not master centered, is morally corrupt. He's not doing what the master said. He's slothful, he's playing games. He's lying to the master. Watch what he does here. He blames the master. He uses excuses. This will happen when Jesus returns. A lot of people will have excuses. He'll, he uses excuses. He, he first of all says things that are not true about the master. So then he makes up this thing that, well, I'll be scared because you harvest what you don't sow. And the master calls him on it. Listen to what the master says. He says, you say you're scared because you knew I would gather. If that's true, verse 27, then you would have invested my money with the bankers. So you're either lying to cover up your laziness or you don't know me. You don't know me at all. See, this guy, he knew that Jesus would come back, but he buries it. He just buries it. So let me ask you, sure, and those just checking us out, are you burying what God entrusted to you? Even if you're not a Christian, let me put it this way. Are people missing out on the best of you? Maybe you've just been grumpy for way too long and actually you're a really nice person. Are you burying what God's given? Are you, are you burying just so you know is not helping people come into relationship with God? 
Burying it is, is your neighbors, you've been a Christian for 10 years, they have no idea. Burying is not doing anything, by the way, of showing his love to one another. Burying is giving up on submitting your whole life to the Lordship of Jesus. Burying is, is, is not fighting that sin that just keeps coming back because you just love to feed it and you call it something else. Burying is not wanting to live a godly life because you love the one who already loves you. That's what this guy was doing. He was not loving the one who already loves him, who at infinite cost to himself went to the cross. So here's the big idea, love does. Jesus came to be with those he loves. And guess what? We were all at one point, if you're a Christian here, I'm not gonna have you raise your hand because I'd be like, oh, I don't. anyways. Um, you were at one time, the Bible teaches enemies of God. That means you didn't put him first. You didn't love him above all things. You, you lived, and he came and he loved you. And so he, now that he's in you, he's calling us to love our enemies. He's calling us to love everyone. And that's what we wanna do. We wanna be the most loving people on the planet because Jesus is the most loving person in our lives because he came to deal with the thing that was killing us the most. And what's that? Sin. And that's why we wanna tell people, guess what? That guilt you feel is real. And Jesus loves you. He's really God. You can have a relationship with him. It's really exciting, okay? Being like Jesus doesn't wait, okay? Being like Jesus doesn't wait. It just starts. Look, look right at me. Here's what I want you to do. Just draw a circle around your life and go, who can I love? Like do that. Where, where can I be? Like Jesus, where can I get more Jesus in the lamp? Like what if every day you asked Jesus to make your day about becoming him to others? What if every day you were like, where through me can other people experience or hear about Jesus and the impact he's made on my life? Let me ask you this question. If this is only for Christians now, who is in your life and has been in your life for a while that seriously has not heard you share how amazing Jesus is? Who in your life right now does not know you're a Christian? Who in your life has no idea what it even means to pray, to read the Bible? There is a scene in the movie Gravity. I'll do hands on this one. How many of you have seen the Sandra Bullock? Have you seen the movie Gravity? Raise your hand if you've seen Gravity. All right, so there's a, you know, the big idea in this movie is that they're up in space. There's a big catastrophic destruction of their shuttle. It leaves them adrift in orbit. And Sandra Bullock is, does an amazing job. She plays um, Ryan Stone. And there's a scene where she feels like she's gonna die. She is, I've never seen such great acting where she is like shaking with this is it. And she's crying and she's staring off and she's got nothing left. And here's what I want you to listen to what she says. She says this, while staring into space, looking in the emptiness of it all, she says these words, oh, I'm going to die. I know, we're all gonna die. Everybody knows that, but I'm gonna die today. It's funny that you know, to know. But the thing is, is that I'm still scared. I'm really scared. No one will mourn for me. No one will pray for my soul. And then she looks out to space and says, will you mourn for me? 
will you say a prayer for me? Or is it too late? Ugh. I mean, I'd say one for myself, but I've never prayed in my life. So, and then she whispers this, but nobody, but nobody ever taught me how. Nobody ever taught me how. This is the generation we live in on the North Shore. No one explained it, but someone could have. Most of the people around us are post-Christian. They don't really know the full gospel story. Do they know how to pray? Christians, Jesus expects us to be faithful. Start there. If someone comes to you and they're going through a hard time, ask them, do you know how to pray? And listen to their answer and love them. Be Jesus's love, but show them. Explain it, show that out. Share that, like set that up this week. I don't know where you are, but, but tell someone, hey, let's go out for dinner tonight because I can't believe I've I have not shared something with you that I have to, it's so meaningful to me and I just haven't shared this with you. And then tell them the gospel. Faithfulness is what matters most, short church. Jesus isn't asking us to do something without him. He's going with us. When he tells the disciples to go make disciples, he says, I'm going with you. Behold, I'm not gonna leave you. You're here because someone shared Christ with you. And we have work to do. There's so many people God wants us to become his love to, and we can, and it's exciting. So I wanna encourage you today, whatever it is, don't come up and take communion and just be like, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not good. No, be like, I'm so excited. I'm going to, I'm gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna put a rubber band on my wrist. I'm gonna slap it and be like, I'm gonna be his love today. I'm, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna get more time. Just be resolved. He loves you, he forgives you. We get to be his church. It's really exciting. It's really exciting that we have a purpose and a mission to make Jesus known. Yes, it's hard. Yes, Jesus said they're gonna persecute. Yes, it's, it's difficult. People don't wanna know that God is the most important person in their life and they're not living for him. That doesn't feel great. But when they come to that place and they know they need a savior, then they'll cling to Jesus and everything will change for them. Our job is to be faithful. Amen? Let's pray. Band, you can come on up. Father, I just, I wanna pray for all of those who are here. Even those just visiting from other churches or just sticking around. I wanna pray first that you would show them that the, by being here, you wanted them to hear this message because you want them to know you exist. You love them just the way you told your disciples all this because you are going to the cross for them and you've, you've been to the cross and you've risen from death. And when we have faith in you, we get forgiveness, we have acceptance, we have a new status. You are now our representative. We have a new righteousness from God. And I just, I pray that as we trust in you, as we think about these parables, as we don't wanna be the foolish young ladies, as we don't wanna be the guy who buries it, I pray that you'd give us a new joy, a new joy to be your love, a new joy to share you, a new confidence. And that's gotta come by the way of your spirit. So I just pray against fear. I pray that you would give us a new, new life in this. Show us who we can love and just actually love like you loved us. And I just, I pray for us. Thank you that we get to be here. 
And I just pray as we sing, you'd be glorified. Just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.